Good morning and welcome to a Tuesday morning, April the 26th edition of the Christian Underground News Network. I'm your host, Kurt Chamberlain, along with your co-host, Pastor Dick Chamberlain, and our usual Tuesday morning guest, the uh, highly prolific of Penn, uh, a Christian author, Christian pastor, and Christian lecturer, Dr. J.B. Hickson. Um, we are always honored and pleased and, and privileged to have J.B. with us, and, and uh, we have some very, very interesting subject matter for you today. Uh, but before we get into that, I'd, I'd like to let our listeners uh, know that we've got uh, an important event coming up here pretty quickly, J.B., I think uh, this weekend at the Grace Bible Church in Portage, Wisconsin. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, good morning, uh, uh, Curtis and Pastor. It's great to be with you as always, and looking forward to our discussion uh, today. We'll get to that in just a second, but I uh, want to remind uh, listeners that I'll be in uh, Portage, Wisconsin this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for, for a uh, Bible conference. I'll be speaking six times and doing a Q&A. Uh, it's uh, Friday evening, Saturday from 1 to 5.30, and then Sunday morning. And you can find out more about that at the Not By Works website, notbyworks.org, right there on the highlight carousel. But the uh, good news is we're going to be uh, streaming that. So if you're not in the Midwest or not able to make it out to the conference, uh, you can go to our website and click on the highlight banner and uh, where it says live, free live stream for the conference. And, uh, and you can watch them live wherever you are. Yeah. Uh, so I hope you'll take advantage of that and join in. The subject for the conference is... Spirit of the Antichrist, like we've been talking about in many venues here the last few weeks, uh, trying to get the message out about uh, the soon coming of our Lord and how the stage is being set for that. So um, lots of new material, lots of uh, updated material. We're going to just really uh, hit, hit home with, with that many sessions. I can cover a lot of ground. So oh, yeah. um, if you're not able to live stream, and I know people have busy lives and busy schedules, we will, of course, post all of the sessions as both video and audio podcast at the Not By Works podcast channel and on our video page of our website. So you can uh, check that out uh, next week once those get uh, posted. But yeah, looking forward to a great trip. We're headed into a busy season. We've got back-to-back-to-back uh, -to -back -to -back conferences. We'll be in Portage and then up in Fort Collins, Colorado, and then in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, so you can learn more about those events at the notbyworks.org website. Sounds like a very, very busy season for you. Yeah. Uh, I know we're probably <clears throat> going to end up missing you a couple of weeks in there, JB. And I think next week, I think you mentioned, is going to be one of those weeks because you're going to be out on the road. So you'll be missing uh, next Tuesday. So just for our listeners' benefit, um, uh, you, you may be able to live stream whatever event JB is doing at that time uh, as a substitute. So... Uh, yeah, I would recommend that you do that. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I would love to podcast while I'm driving, but uh, my wonderful, wise wife, Wendy, uh, there's a little alliteration for you. Uh, she, uh, she wife does. Wendy. Wise wife, Wendy. Yeah. She doesn't like it when I try to video podcast and, uh, and drive at the same time. I don't know why. So it's, uh, yeah, it's probably not recommended. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so today, are we ready to dive in? Well, I, well I'm well, i ready to dive in if you are. Uh, our subject matter today is of pivotal importance, I think, uh, because uh, 
Well, actually, before we do that, JB, I'd like to, for our listeners that are watching our our video version, I went to my mailbox on Friday and I found this T-shirt in there. Somebody had sent me a T-shirt. The the sender's address was Dr. JB Hickson, not by Works of Ministries. (laughs) He found this Hegelian dialectic T-shirt for me here. So it's a Galian dialectic. You are living it. Yeah. And uh, uh, it kind of fits into our subject matter here today because uh, I think it was because of one of these pivotal events that we're going to talk about. Uh, I think the fall of the, in the garden uh, was what brought this type of thinking uh, into play. And, and it's, it's affecting us today, but we're going to be talking about the conflict of the ages today, correct? Absolutely, the conflict of the ages, and I'm borrowing that title from uh, the great uh, Arno C. Gabeline, a fantastic dispensationalist scholar from the uh, late 19th, early 20th centuries, and he wrote a book by that same title called Conflict of the Ages. I have an original 1933 edition. I think it's, a. I mean, I think 33 was the first edition, but yeah, first edition. And in it, it's basically sort of a Spirit of the Antichrist book for his day. Uh, He basically talks about the cosmic struggle between good and evil, how Satan's been trying to take over the world and the means by which he's trying to do that. And of course, he does it all uh, through the lens of the first half of the 20th century with the rise of communism and the Russian empire and things like that. So um, great book, Uh, even though it's dated, it certainly gives a lot of uh, biblical framework for this uh, conflict of the ages, this uh, cosmic struggle, the the battle between God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom. And so, you know, as I was thinking about today's uh, show, uh, Curtis, I really got to thinking about how so often believers, when we read the scripture, we tend to read it from only a personal vantage point, and almost as if every verse was written directly to us and we sometimes lose sight of the big picture, the grand narrative of creation, and yes. uh, from from God's perspective, the plan of the ages that He is unfolding according to His sovereign plan. And of course, the Bible was written to give us everything we need for life and godliness. It is uh, intimately practical, and we ought to personally apply uh, everything we read. But I think you know. You, 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 particularly in the Old Testament, we read passages like Jeremiah 29, 11. Uh, I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord, yes. plans to prosper you. And we, we forget to step back and see what that means in the bigger picture. And of course, in the yes. case of Jeremiah, he's talking to the nation of Israel, uh, yes. uh, coming out of the Babylonian exile and how life seemed bleak for that nation. And yet God has a future and a plan for them and right. will fulfill his promises to them. And of course, it's in Jeremiah that God promises the new covenant would come, which the new covenant, of course, was ratified through the blood of Christ at Calvary and will be fully inaugurated when Christ comes back. And so all of those blessings will come to bear uh, in the future. So we want to be careful when we read scripture, not to forget the big picture. Uh, In fact, you know, frankly, some of those from our own uh, camp, who, who, who firmly believe, as we should, that the Bible should be interpreted in its literal, grammatical, historical context. Yes, sir. We tend to be so analytical, examining every word and every detail and every sentence and, 
that we stop we we don't see the synthetic big picture we don't you know it's like we're, we're doing a jigsaw puzzle and spending all of our time examining one piece and we never look at the box right. cover right and, and we want to avoid that because we we are part of a a grand narrative part of a grand conflict that as you said began in the garden after god created adam and eve in his own image uh, and is raging to this day yes. and it is going to be uh you know it's going to be come to culmination uh, in the end when christ comes back to inaugurate the perfect kingdom of peace justice and righteousness mm-hmm. um, we've been talking about that at plum creek chapel in Sedalia, Colorado, and on my in my Sunday morning Bible study at nine o'clock, we're going through characteristics of the millennium, and it's it's really encouraging. Uh, in fact, I I used your line this past Sunday and talked about how the future's so bright we all need to wear sunglasses. You know? <laughs> uh, when we when we think about it, it's we it's it seems bleak right now, and things it are unraveling, and Satan mm-hmm. is is you know holding sway as First John five nineteen tells us, but if you see the big picture, then right. you understand who wins in the end and yes. see how everything kind of fits into, uh, you know, God's uh, program. So Amen. I guess the moral of the story would be, yes, read scriptures for personal notification, apply yes. the truths of scripture to your own life, but yes. recognize that from Genesis to Revelation, we have a plan of the ages. Amen. And some uh, theologians and Bible teachers minimize that. They simplify it. They yes. spiritualize everything about to make it about personal salvation and not not uh, thinking yes. about the future for Israel or even the one world system that's coming to be first right. ruled by the Antichrist and then by Jesus Himself. Uh, or uh, in some cases, they they become too narrowly focused and they can't see the forest for the trees. Right. So, right. So we're going to use, I want to mention a couple of other verses, and then we're going to camp out in what I think is the the foundational passage that really lays out uh, this conspiracy, what, what I call uh, the Luciferian conspiracy. That's not my phrase. That's, that's their phrase. The Luciferians call themselves that, and many people besides me have, uh, have exposed from a Christian worldview the Luciferian conspiracy. But we're going to camp out in Psalm 2 in just a moment. Uh, but let me mention a couple of other passages. One that comes to mind is uh, Second Peter, or excuse me, First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Uh, be sober, be vigilant, because yes. your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may uh, devour. Yes. Now, again, we tend to read that because it, in a personal sense, because it goes on to say, resist him, and that's a personal exhortation, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But, you know, the key word word there is at the end, the word world, that this devil is walking around the entire world. And our brothers and sisters throughout the world are, as we are, a part of this conflict of the ages. And so, we need to read that verse, and, and, and it should jump off the page at you that there is a hidden, you know, sort of unseen uh, battle, and, you know, uh, we, we, we need to be awake to it. Remember 1 Thessalonians 5, verses uh, 4 through 6 say, but you, brethren, are not in darkness that this day, talking about the coming return of the Lord, um, 
should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. Again, yes. this universal global contrast between Satan and his kingdom and God and his kingdom. And uh, we are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. So, yes. uh, you know, I just, I feel like, you know, we, we need to keep that in mind. And if you do, then it makes the message that we are trying to communicate in uh, my book, Spirit of the Antichrist, all that much more uh, potent and timely. And yes. um, another passage that I know all of our listeners are quite familiar with, but again, we tend to compartmentalize it or put it in a box and make it only about our little world. And we forget to step back and see this as a cosmic struggle. And that's Ephesians chapter six. Um, finally, yes. my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now listen, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Yes. So when he says that, Curtis, do you think that Paul was referring to just central Illinois and the greater Peoria region? Uh, uh, was he? Gee, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think he was aware of us yet. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he yeah. certainly wasn't referring to just Colorado or just, it was a, he was speaking globally. Yes, he was. So with that backdrop, you know, I'd like to turn our attention to uh, Psalm chapter 2, mm -hmm. and I want to read the psalm. It's only 12 verses, four stanzas in Hebrew poetry. Remember, psalms were intended to be sung, and uh, much like our hymns uh, today, they had stanzas, and uh, so I want to break this up into uh, thematically into its stanzas, and uh, let me read the whole passage, and then I want to just bring out four points that really explain what this conflict of the ages is all about. Okay. Uh, so Psalm 2, we know, was written by King David. King David. So that puts us in a time frame historically of roughly 900 to 1,000 years before Christ. Mm -hmm. And um, we know uh, this was written by David, not because the psalm itself tells us, because in the Hebrew scriptures, Psalm 2 is anonymous, but right. according to uh, Acts chapter 4, uh, we find out that indeed uh, this was written by David. By David, yeah. So he begins, why do the nations rage? Notice the plural there, nations. Mm -hmm. And the people plot a vain thing. The kings, plural, of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed. So right there, you begin to see this cosmic struggle. It's a group mm -hmm. of kings, world leaders, national leaders throughout the world conspiring together against Yahweh. Lord there is all caps, meaning a reference to the personal name for God, Yahweh, and the one true creator God, and against his anointed, capital A, referring to the eternal Son of God, Jesus Christ. And here's what they're saying as they conspire together. Verse 3, let us break their bonds in pieces 
and cast away their cords from us. So in other words, they understand that there is a sovereign creator of the universe who spoke the world into existence and is in control, has the power. He's all powerful. His, mm -hmm. his bonds and cords are controlling. Um, and they say, we don't want that. We want to break them out and cast mm -hmm. them away because we want control. Um, uh, David goes on, he, speaking of God, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh and the Lord shall hold them in derision. In other words, how dare you think you can defeat me? Yeah. He shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep pleasure. Verse five. Now, wrath is a key, key word. We talked about that Sunday in my nine o'clock hour uh, this past week. So if you want to check that to podcast out, it's in the what lies ahead section of our videos. And Pastor Dick also did one this, this past Saturday. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I remember you saying that. Wrath of God. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. So there's two great resources to talk about yeah, the wrath of God. Absolutely. absolutely. But I know Pastor Dick will agree that you know, wrath in scripture has both a personal uh, salvific aspect, but it also has a physical, tangible aspect. In other words, anyone who has not believed the gospel and is not a child of God by faith is under God's wrath, John 3, 36. You're either a child of God or a child of wrath. But th there is also a sense in which God's wrath is being held back now yes. in this time of patience because he's not willing that any should perish. He wants all to be saved. Mm -hmm. um, but someday that wrath is going to bubble over and it's going to be poured out and manifested through the sealed trumpet and bold judgments during that final seven-year tribulation period that Daniel talks about and uh, also Jesus talks about and we read about in Revelation. So, yes. um, so you know, here, here we see a, an inkling of God's wrath against Satan and against his co-conspirators and mm -hmm. against evil in this world. And it says, he shall speak to them in his wrath. And then we get to the culmination of the, the outcome, if you will, of this conflict of the ages. He says in verse six, yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today, I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. So he's describing, of course, the coming reign of Christ over yeah. the Messianic kingdom when he comes back to take the throne in the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. And Revelation tells us in Revelation 19 that he will be ruling with a rod of iron as well. But yes. he's going to, at that time, he's going to tread the winepress of the wrath and fury of Almighty God. Yes. And so this is the culmination. And so at the end, then David then writes, now, therefore, be wise, O kings. In other words, you better wise up. This, this thing that you're plotting, it's not going to end well for you. No, that's um, right. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. How should you respond? He goes on in verse 11, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Yeah. And then watch this, the last verse, kiss the son, lest he be angry. I'm going to come back to that in a moment, but in the ancient Near East, that was a way of showing deep allegiance and honor and respect. Uh, right. Lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. 
blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Amen. God's wrath is right now upon the sons of disobedience, that is, unbelievers who've never received the free gift of eternal life by faith. Um, but in comparison to the, the prophetic wrath of God that will be poured out someday, you ain't seen nothing yet. I mean, it's, right. it's, it's coming. And oh, so, yeah. you know, I'd like to kind of go back then and, and break down <clears throat> these, this, these 12 verses that I just read into to four primary points. The first one that we see is the Luciferian plot. Uh, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? This is yeah. the Luciferian plot. The, the kings of the earth are setting themselves together against uh, and taking counsel together against the Lord and against his son, Jesus Christ. They want to break God's bonds. Notice in verse uh, three, it says, let us break their bonds. And in the New King James, it's capital T because it's referring to the triune God, right. God and his eternal son and Holy Spirit. So uh, this is the Luciferian plot. And it all began uh, with Satan. First of all, in heaven, when Satan, who does not like to be controlled, you know, Satan has control issues, Curtis. Uh, he, uh, yeah, that's putting it mildly. <laughs> he hates God's sovereignty. He doesn't like the cords that are that are there, that are put in place uh, and to which he must be beholden and accountable. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, uh, we read about this uh, in Isaiah chapter fourteen, where oh, yeah. he said, "I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like." The most, the most high. high, yeah, and you know that's it's interesting. That's where it all begins. Is Satan, who is not God, even though the Luciferian human co-conspirators that we talk so much about in my book, Spirit of the Antichrist, they think Satan is the true God. They think all he's right. the hero. He's the good guy. Right. Yeah. He is not. Uh, he is not. And he he said, "I will be like the Most High." He has coveted and wanted to be God ever since he was created. Right. And so he, he couldn't have heaven. So of course he got cast out of heaven to the earth, mm -hmm. whereupon he approaches <clears throat> and he says, you know, eat this apple. And in, if you do, you'll be like God. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, God doesn't want you to eat this thing because he, he's trying to withhold some knowledge from you. Yeah. He's totally lied, made it up. And we, yeah. we break down uh, in chapter uh, 11 of Spirit of the Antichrist at the end there, uh, just before the conclusion, I break down Genesis 3 verse by verse and give you five uh, characteristics of deception that Satan uses. Uh, and by the way, I don't know if we've said it yet on today's program, but uh, you can just go to spiritoftheantichrist.org. That's spiritoftheantichrist.org. And that's where you can read the table of contents, read the preface, and, and learn how you can get, uh, get the book. But but it's interesting that Satan, who, of course, he wants to be God, so he assumes that everyone else would want that coveted prize. So he, he lies to Eve and says, You're, he doesn't want you to eat it because you'll be like him, you yeah. know? And, yeah. uh, and unfortunately, uh, Adam, and Eve, uh, Adam and Eve fell for it. So the battle really begins in earnest in Genesis 3.15. Yes. When God confronts the serpent, who we know is Satan, uh, and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, 
between your seed and her seed, capital mm -hmm. S, referring to the ultimate uh, Christ child, Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. the Son of God, the incarnation when he was born of a virgin. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So very, so much is, is really in this verse, so much uh, deep theological uh, significance, because first of all, the yeah. seed normally comes from the man, not the woman, right. but because uh, Jesus was born of a virgin and conceived by the Holy Spirit, there was no male seed. Uh, right. there, could, there could not be, frankly, because that's how sin is passed down. And once Adam and Eve sinned, then according to Romans 5.12, sin is passed down to every human being ever since then. It's in the blood. And right. so Jesus Christ, of course, a sinless Savior, was conceived by the Holy Spirit. His DNA was not tainted with sin. And uh, so there's that. That's the reference to her seed, which is unusual. But secondly, the fact that someday the seed of the woman, Jesus Christ, is in fact going to be destroyed uh, or going to destroy rather satan uh, he shall bruise your head serpent right. you might nip at his heel basically is what he's saying here in genesis 3 15 and uh, you know you're going to issue a death wound at, at calvary but of course he defeated death hell in the grave when he rose from the dead three days later so it really turned out to be just a uh, you know, a, a flesh wound, if you will, uh, yeah. in that in that sense. Obviously, he literally died. Not saying he did physically die; he absolutely did and rose from the yes. dead. But the yes. point is, it was not a lasting wound. Whereas the the and that's the metaphor that he's using here. You shall bruise his head, but he shall he, he shall bruise your head, but you shall bruise his heel. Mm -hmm. and the contrast there is between a head wound and a heel. I mean, obviously, if you you know, if you step on a thorn on your heel, it's going to hurt. But uh, if you get, you know, you're shot in the head, it's over, you know. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, the battle began right there and God outlined it early so, yeah. on. Uh, theologians right. call this the Protevangelium or the, the right. first example of uh, the gospel. And so, uh, so, you know, that's that first thing is the Luciferian plot. In the first mm -hmm. three verses, um, so uh, you know it's uh, it's the the battle begins and and it's been raging ever since. Now we believe in a young Earth, uh, yes, and and that the Earth is you know only six thousand years old, and and so now I know that that might sound strange to some of your listeners who've never studied the matter, but uh, in actuality, science is a Christian's best friend, and the, and science actually proves. That the Bible yeah. is accurate, That's and right. so so we believe that for six thousand years, you know, this battle has mm -hmm. been a raging. So that's mm -hmm. the first three verses, uh, and that's why you know we talked about how Satan is the prince of the power of the air, and that we wrestle against you know principalities and powers and you know the rulers of darkness, and and uh, you know in, in the book of Revelation we see it all come to a climax when he's wanting to make war with the saints in Revelation 13, and ultimately leads up to uh, the battle of Armageddon as Satan is trying to get everyone uh, to worship him. So, yes. you know, that's the, that is the, the Luciferian plot. And yes. I've talked a lot, and we give a lot of quotes in my book, Spirit of the Antichrist, about how in more recent times, the last couple of hundred years, we've seen global leaders working together and openly admitting their desire to usher in a world government. Absolutely. 
Now, they don't always explicitly ascribe their marching orders to Satan, but that's no. where they're getting them. And I've exposed that in the book. I, that, yeah, every now and then they let it leak out or you get you know, inside look at some declassified documents and you recognize that these people are literally worshiping Satan, conspiring with him and doing his bidding. Yes. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've mentioned some of these before, but, you know, you got Zbigniew Brzezinski, uh, who we've talked about, who, of course, died just a few years ago in 2017. And he says that ultimately we're working toward the goal of a one world government. National sovereignty is no longer a viable concept. Right. You know, World War II, uh, a lot of the world leaders came out and made it clear, like Charles de Gaulle said, nations must unite in a world government or perish. Uh, James Warburg said, we shall have war world government, whether you like it or not, by conquest oh. or consent. That's uh, right. So, I mean, this is nothing new. It's just, it's just really coming to a culmination, uh, mm -hmm. this, this plot. So David asks, why do the nations rage? And the people plot a vain thing. So that's the Luciferian plot. And then in the next section, we see, by contrast, the Lord's plan. See, there's a difference between a plot and a plan. And right. there's a difference between right. Satan's evil desires and God's immutable plan. That's right. And that immutable plan uh, starts out for us in verse 4. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh, and the Lord shall hold them in derision. Notice the future tense here. He will speak to them in his wrath, as we read about. Yeah. Um, what, what he's trying to get these world leaders to see, and of course they won't, they will have to be defeated. Tr true evil never waves the white flag of surrender. Uh, you know, true yeah. evil has to be defeated, and mm. it will be. But you know, the writer of Hebrews reminds us it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands uh, of a living God. And right. Jesus said someday they're going to see the sign of the Son of Man appearing in the heavens, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And then, Matthew 25, 31, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Yes. So the Luciferian plot is no match for the Lord's plan. Amen. Amen. And, uh, and then the real beautiful part of this psalm is that section we read about God's anointed looking yes. toward Jesus Christ someday. And, and that's what I call the long-awaited prince, the long-awaited prince. Uh, he says, I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. I will give you, Jesus, the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. <laughs> Yes. So Satan, get the contrast here. Satan, since he got kicked out of heaven, has been trying to have this earth as his domain. Yeah. And he he's going to and fro throughout the whole earth and, and like a roaring lion trying to destroy. Jesus said he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Um, and uh, he, he's got this plan in mind that involves a one-world, satanically-inspired system that will be led by the Antichrist, whom yes. I believe Satan will indwell as the prince of demons, according to 2 Thessalonians 2. Right. And, uh, and he's going to succeed for a short time. Yes. For seven years, that final seven years that Daniel speaks about in his 490-year plan that God revealed. And the first 483 years of that have already been fulfilled. Uh, right. The final seven years will be fulfilled during that future uh, tribulation period. And so 
But Christ comes back, the long-awaited prince comes back and takes the throne. And when he does, you know, it, uh, he's going to break them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. You, you know, get the picture there. It's almost similar to what we see when Jesus, uh, in the final week uh, of his life leading up to the cross, he goes into the temple and overthrows, overturns the tables of the money changers. And you just see a glimpse, only a glimpse, of what it will be like when he comes back and perfect peace and righteousness. Um, and, you know, he, he's the long-awaited prince. Isaiah 9 tells us that when he comes and when the governments are upon his shoulder and, and when uh, there is no, there, you know, there can be no end to the increase of his government, when he sits on the throne of David, he will be called the prince of peace. So he is the long-awaited prince. Yeah. So, so let's review because we're coming up to the final stanza. We're looking yes. at Psalm 2. We see in verses 1 through 3, the Luciferian plot. In verses 4 through 6, the Lord's plan. Mm -hmm. In verses 7 through 9, the long-awaited prince. And then he closes out the psalm by talking about the lasting promise. That's right. The lasting promise. Uh, he, he's reminding his readers in his day, as well as us today by extension, because it's written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, that... That, that God has a lasting promise, which is, here's the promise, those who put their trust in God will be blessed. Those right. who do not will suffer the wrath of Almighty God. That's right. He says, serve the Lord with fear, rejoice with trembling. He says, kiss the sun. Again, as I, as I mentioned in the ancient Near East, kissing the sun is an act of submissive homage to a king. Yes. And, and by the way, that's why, you know, we have the custom of kissing the Pope's ring, which yeah. is, it pictures the same thing. And, and boy, yeah. we, we don't want to digress too much there. But if you don't understand no. the roots of Romanism and, and Roman Catholic Church and what really goes on in the <clears throat> underbelly of the Vatican and all of that, again, no offense. And, and, and the prophetic destiny of, of the same. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I understand there are uh, good, uh, you know, people out there that have been raised Catholic and they're just misled. But I, I implore you, yes. read the word of God and see how salvation is not through keeping seven sacraments of, sacraments of grace. And it's not you don't go through a human priest and you don't you know, the, the Bible has a lot to say about the freeness of salvation. I, I talked uh, Sunday in our worship hour about grace immeasurable. And as we yes. looked at the conversion of Saul on the road to Damascus. And so, uh, you know, with all respect, you know, you, you need to look at the history and the real truth behind uh, the Roman Catholic Church. But, uh, but we're, not, we're not to kiss the ring of anyone. We're to show right. our allegiance and uh, respect for uh, the Lord. And Amen. so, you know, the lasting promise is a, a clear promise that, you know, uh, those who have faith are blessed. Yes. And, uh, you know, he says, uh, whosoever believes in me has everlasting life. That's what the, the, the long-awaited prince says. He, he said it again and again in, in John's gospel, by the way. It's the gospel of belief. Mm -hmm. If you'll simply trust in me, 
I, I want only what's good for you. You can, John 1, 12, you can become a child of God instead of being a child of wrath if you'll simply uh, believe in me. The verse that I kind of alluded to earlier, but I don't think I uh, quoted it, is uh, in John 3, 36. Yes. And it says, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. Amen. He who does not believe the Son That's right. shall not see life, but what? The wrath of God abides right. in him. So there you have it, you know. Uh, the Lord's, uh, the Luciferian plot, the Lord's plan, the long-awaited prince, and the lasting promise. And I would just ask our listeners, you know, are you ready for this coming culmination of the Lord's plan of the ages? The conflict of the ages is simmering and simmering and simmering. And if the Lord tarries is coming, you know, we could see much more uh, severe manifestations of this yes. spiritual battle. That's uh, right. Are you ready? And what if he does come back today? Are yeah. you ready to meet your maker, as the prophets of old used to say? Right. Sure you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the one who Amen. died and rose again for your sins. Amen. And, uh, if you have already done that, then praise God, at least uh, you, you know, that issue is settled and your That's right. eternal home is secure. But now what we need to do is step back and read the scriptures from a bigger perspective and understand that there's a plan in place. That's right. And that plan will always defeat Satan's plot. Amen. So we never need to fear the enemy. Uh, we need to be aware and be prepared. Yes. yes. We need to trust in the Lord uh, no matter what lies ahead. So yeah, you're right. We need to be aware that it is indeed a battle and we're involved. Yeah, we absolutely are. That's what the, you know, the conflict of the ages is all about. So uh, I'll close with this verse and then, we, and then I can get y'all's comments and, and we kind of uh, wrap it up. But um, if, in 2 Corinthians 4, uh, Paul says, therefore, in verse 16, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Amen. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And Amen. you know, my takeaway from that passage, at least in the context of Psalm 2 and what we're talking about, is that we need to recognize there is an unseen conflict raging. That's right. Uh, as I explain in the book, we see manifestations of that. You have to be blind not to. Yeah. But let's not forget that at its core, the battle is unseen. It's happening in the heavenlies. But yes. we need to be aware of it and we ignore it at our own peril uh, because uh, you know things are rapidly uh, coming to fruition according to, to Scripture as we see the stage. It, being set. it always puts me in mind of Daniel chapter 9 when we talk about this. Uh, Daniel's in captivity in prison, and uh, it, it, the angel uh, is sent to speak with him. And uh, I, I believe it's Michael, or is it Gabriel? I think it's Michael. Yes, in, my, in Daniel, it's it, Michael. Yeah, it's Michael, and and he says, "I'd have been here sooner, Dan, but uh, uh, the, the prince of Persia delayed me a little bit." And what do you think he was talking about? He wasn't talking about a human prince sitting on a throne. Uh, 
he was talking about uh, probably a demonic entity that, that had influence over that part of the world at the time. And they were involved in a battle. Yes. They had a little skirmish on the way, on Michael's way. Oh, that's you again. Okay. Let me let me kick you in the shin and push you out of the way. I've got some things to do. Yep. But this is a battle that is going on, has been for six thousand years. Yeah, and it's it's gotten worse and worse because as Second Timothy three thirteen tells us, things are going to get worse and worse. Deception's yeah. getting worse and worse. And that's right. Uh, yeah, that battle is described in Daniel ten, uh, and uh, and it is Michael the archangel. So. Yeah, it's. Uh, Did I say Daniel nine or Daniel ten? You said nine. Okay, so I'm I'm senile too. <laughs> True. Who else are you talking about? <laughs> no, but but you know it it in light of all the information that you presented here today, JB. Um, would it be fair to say that the most pivotal event in all of human history? Was, was was the crucifixion uh, of Jesus Christ. Yes. I mean, that's what that's where the battle was won. That's what was alluded to in Genesis 3.15 at the yeah, very yeah. beginning. And it's through the, the death and resurrection of Christ, the atoning work of Christ, that yeah. he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins. Colossians so his, one. So his crucifixion, his yeah. his death, his burial, and his resurrection uh, were were the most pivotal events, and and it was it was, that's what guarantees us the victory. Absolutely, and so you know we we started out by talking about the conflict of the ages, Satan's kingdom versus God's kingdom, and that yeah. verse I just uh, referenced is in Colossians one thirteen and fourteen, is that he has delivered us from the power of darkness, Satan's yeah. kingdom. And conveyed us instead into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Yeah. And so you know we are we are part of the the good guys. You know we're we're on the right team. And I know that it looks depressing and discouraging at times, and that's all part of the plan. I don't understand it. I don't know why God doesn't just snap His fingers and put an end to it all right now. But I'm not God, thankfully He is, and so we trust Him. But we know yes, yes. that the Lord's plan is playing out exactly the way he wants it to. That's and right. we need to be both aware, prepared, uh, and prepared, and we need to, uh, you know, keep trusting him. Uh, because if we look at what's seen, going back to 2 Corinthians 4, you know, we're, we're going to be pretty discouraged. But uh, yeah. there's, a, there's a victory to be won here. Absolutely. What a message of hope, really. Amen. I mean, it... it it's while we have to look and, and, and deal with and uh, the issues of the day, day by day, and sometimes they can be a little discouraging, uh, the overall message is a, is a wonderful message of hope and victory. And I, well, I just love it. I, the, the, Lord, the, Lord, the Lord takes good care of us, doesn't he? He does. And, uh, <laughs> and that's why I think studying prophecy is so vital, because oh, oh, it, it helps, it reminds us that God's prophecies always come true he's a covenant keeping god he can be counted on and and uh he's got this you know yeah he's got it he's got he's he's in control you know uh, a lot of people don't like to hear that that he's in control well satan didn't like to hear it either did he oh yeah and he's gonna pay for that 
He's going to pay for his actions. Yep. And so will the kings of the earth here. Yeah. Uh, you know, we look at the governments lining up against all of mankind right now, basically. Yep. And, uh, and uh, this is part of what we've been talking about today. And uh, uh, it says that right there in Psalm, Psalm 2, uh, they're going to be dashed in pieces yeah. like a potter's vessel. Yep. Oh, man, if, you, if you've ever seen pottery break, uh, it literally dashes into a million pieces. I mean, and you can't put it back together. No. You know, yeah. you can't do it. It's gone. It's, and that's what, you know, the Daniel's uh, vision of the statue, Nebuchadnezzar's statue, that's see, right. you know, a stone not built with hands smashes the, all the other kingdoms that's into, right. into bits and pieces. And that's uh, right. you know, I, I was trying the other day, I was trying to put up a, a, a fluorescent light in my garage and uh, I was up on a ladder and I dropped it. And if you've ever, you don't want to talk about dash to pieces, a fluorescent 48 inch light bulb yeah. hitting a solid concrete floor. That's right. We're still finding little pieces of that. Yeah. Glass. You're sleeping for days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so uh, you can't put it back together. And that's, yeah. the, that's the point. Man's kingdoms are no match for God's kingdom. Amen. And amen. Wow. Well, come, come out and see us in, in Wisconsin this weekend, uh, yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. If you can't make it in person, uh, you can live stream it. And if you can't live stream it, we will post the audio and the video uh, later uh, at the Not By Works site. But learn all about it at notbyworks.org uh, and uh, click on the highlight banner there for the Portage, Wisconsin conference. And it's got the schedule and all you need to know. Yes, very good. And uh, that, that's coming up this weekend. So uh, pay attention. Be there or be square, as they would say. And also, let me remind you uh, that you can also live stream JB's uh, uh, regular Sunday morning and Wednesday night uh, church services at Plum Creek Chapel in Sedalia, Colorado. You can live stream through notbyworks.org at uh, Sunday mornings, 9 and 10.30 a.m. Mountain Time and Wednesday, 6 p.m. Mountain Time. So uh, those are also very valuable time frames that uh, the, where you can receive some valuable information. And uh, so you don't want to miss that. Uh, also, be sure to tune in again with us this Saturday as Pastor Dick uh, continues his Of God series in Romans chapter one. Uh, what's next, Pastor? The judgment of God. We just did the wrath of God, and now we're going to do the judgment of God this coming Saturday. Uh, oh, boy. That's a kind of a heavy subject, too. We, we talked a little bit about it today. And, uh, and uh, so you don't miss that. And then, well, of course, Lucas Doremus at 7 p.m. Uh, Saturday night, still in Proverbs chapters 10 through 29. So uh, lots of good stuff available we're going to make available to you. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. You, you'll be sorry if you did. And uh, so with that, I want to thank J.B., uh, for being with us again today. Oh but, no, is he finished? Thank you, Dr. Hickson. For, yeah, Pastor says, wait a minute, isn't there more? <laughs> I wish, I wish. In his hand over here, you know. Yeah. Uh, but now just remember folks, next week we won't have JB with us. Uh, so you're just gonna have to live stream the event from wherever he's at then as a substitute. And we hope you'll do that. Just go to notbyworks.org and you can get information on live streaming those events. So you don't have to miss him. He'll just be someplace else other than the Christian Underground News Network. 
That's right. Okay. But he's still going to be doing the same great work. So don't miss it. Uh, so until this Saturday, we would we would like to to uh, thank you again for being with us today. Yeah, and for the for the double alliteration, I loved it. Yeah, see, Pastor, you he's very pleased. <laughs> very very pleased. That was just for you, Dick. <laughs> okay, thanks very much. All right. I, I, I'm going to use it later. You know that, don't you? Amen. Yeah, I tell you what, the flattery is the or uh, well, imitation is the best, highest form of flattery, or something like that. That's, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So, listen. Thanks for being with us again uh, uh, this Tuesday morning, um, and until Saturday, may God bless and keep you. This is the Christian Underground News Network signing off. Till Saturday morning, we'll see you soon.